that come up. Um, and also, uh, also um, text messages. So first off, if you're texting Brandon during the message, um, repent. <laughs> also, don't be a distraction to me, please. So, um, but I want you to be turning over. Uh, we have it out. Praise the Lord. My text this morning is going to be found in Second Timothy chapter four. If you have your Bible, be turning over there, or scroll over there, or click over there, whatever you do. Um, we're going to be reading, and I would invite you to read along with me out loud, deliberately, slowly, as we read verses one through eight. Paul says this to Timothy, I charge thee, therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead and its appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered in the time of my departure in hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me that day. Not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. My purpose today is to focus on the text found in verse 5, and that's really what I want to impress upon you. Verse 5 says this, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. And so I'm going to go to the Lord in, in prayer again. I know Brandon just prayed, but for my own purposes, and just if you would pray, I covered your prayers as we, as we speak to this. We have a lot on the table. And uh, as my, part of my testimony is that this message is sort of 20-some years in the making. And so um, there's no way I can unload that this morning. And so I want to do it in a laser-focused way that is clear and received. So would you please pray for me if that happens. Okay, I pray that our hearts are opened up. Um, let's go to God. Lord, Lord, we do love you. Thank you for this praise service. God, thank you just for the, the clear words preparing our heart. God, I know we all brought in a degree of baggage uh, into your house this morning. So, Lord, you give us grace just to set it down. Lord, um, I thank you for the message from Pastor Sam. I thank you for this class, Lord, the... Uh, work that is being done here. Lord, please speak through me. Lord, make this a, a time of refreshing, a time of encouragement, a time of charging. Lord, teach us your word that we may be different, that we might be transformed by it through your Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to give you, this is a sort of a freebie, so if you ever have a small group over 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'm going to give you a little brief outline, but we're not going to go into this. Okay? So verses 1 through 8, what we just talked about, 
here's a, a little five-point outline. Okay, we're going to focus on one of the points. But the first thing Paul talks about in the passage we just read is this, that judgment is coming. Okay, this is something we all need to be aware of. And our motivation, something that's lost in the church often today and lost in our conversation, right, and our, even our evangelistic spiel that we give to people is we fail to talk about this. And it's so critical, what you're going to find out is that Paul bookends this same passage with judgment is coming. So that's point one and five of, of not my outline this morning, but about this passage, okay? The second thing he says is to preach the Word of God, right? The totality of Scripture. Because Jesus can only be found there. Okay? Jesus, I don't care what instance you see in the Scripture, Paul's road to Damascus conversion, anything like that, the Word of God is foundationally present in every conversion experience you see in the New Testament. Okay, you with me? Okay, so we need to get away from the mystical idea that Jesus just spoke to me, or this or that, okay? I'm not saying any of that is not going to happen, but the truth of Jesus, the, the Jesus of the Bible, the Jesus that saves you comes from the foundation of knowing God's Word, okay? Which is why it's so critical every week you're here, that you're involved in a small group, that you're involved in a Bible study, that you come on Tuesday nights, that you're present before our pastor Sam on Sunday mornings, before you walk down here. We've got to get into the habit of getting the Word of God into our hearts and into our minds so that we can recall it, the Holy Ghost, and bring it to our memories. Okay? It's no wonder, right, as the Word of God is the basis of our faith, that it must be preached. Okay? Today I'm going to, I'm going to discuss a very specific part of Paul's charge here, and that is evangelism. But listen to me. The work of the evangelist, or the work of someone doing the work of an evangelist, will be short-circuited if the foundation of the Word of God is not present in a person's life. Are you with me? Do you hear me? Okay? So in my class, it's a lot smaller, but like, Sometimes like we'll really interact with it. So I'm gonna, I want you to do that. You can throw things at me. Like I'm I'm kinda light footed, like I know I'm older, but like just try me out, okay? Um, you know, keep it on my toes, like you know, I gotta stay sharp. So um the word of God's gotta be laid, that foundation. Okay? It's why Paul tells us in Romans chapter ten, thirteen through sixteen, I would turn over there if you're not familiar with this passage. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We agree on that, right? I mean, obviously we agree on it. How then shall they call on him when they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things but they have not all obeyed the gospel, okay? That's what sets people apart. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You're not going to get Jesus unless the word of God is present in your gospel presentation. The last 
few things in, our, in Paul's outline here is that the third thing, lust, will cause men to reject truth in order to affirm their own prejudices. Oftentimes we think of lust, especially when we're younger, about uh, sexual lust and things like that. But lust takes a lot of form. As you get older, you, you tend to see this. You can lust over stuff, right? Things. You can lust over positions. You can have lust in ministry. You can covet people for God knows what. And I'm not going to sit here and try to produce a laundry list and, and like I'm in your head. Okay, so I'm not. But you know you, right? You know right where you're at. We need to be aware of it. That we can be susceptible if we don't watch. And others, definitely, the people that hear, and it will cause men and women to reject the truth of God's word in order to affirm their present position. You guys got me? I know, in our flesh, we want certain things. We want to accomplish certain things. We have certain expectations about what our life is going to look like. How many kids we're going to have, and the picket fence, and the 2.5 kids, and the dog and a half, and living in this choice neighborhood, and having the right type of car, and, and getting the right job, and, and finishing the proper degree, and, and uh, oh, there's Connor in here. That's fine. Congratulations, by the way. So, um, I'm a Facebook stalker. I'm friends with like, all of you. I know I don't like really go on and post stuff, but I trust you. I really know you. <laughs> so, um, praise the Lord for that. So, but, um, you know, I'll tell you, oftentimes we have certain plans, and maybe God has the same plan, maybe he doesn't. Right? We want to be, however, focused on the things that God wants, with our own prejudices, are set aside. The things that we come to the Lord with ahead of time, our own agenda, is put on the table and laid at the feet of the cross, at the cross, so that we can turn our agenda over to Him and, and have Him replace it with His own. You guys agree with that? That's pretty hard to agree with. Okay, I know some of you are like, uh, I get it. Okay? Every day I face that question. At my job, at my home, with my family, with my finances, with whether I'm going to read the Bible or not, my time in prayer. I face it every day. Am I going to take my agenda and displace it with God's? Our text this morning just want to be over this. The ministry of the saints. And that's what we're going to focus on verse 5. Paul Bookings, the whole outline, again, of judgment is coming with that. I think it's critical for someone that wants to preach that at some point. Um, should have a lot there to go off, I would think. But ministry of the saints, verse 5. The first thing Paul tells us to do in verse 5 is this. Watch. We are to watch. Watch thou in all things, in fact, and you are Christians do the work of an evangelist. It's as if Paul, on his way out, and if I can give you some context here, this is sort of Paul's swan song, okay? Second Timothy is written to uh, perhaps his chief disciple, okay? The guy that takes the torch for Paul. For Paul. And um, it's sort of his farewell address, right? And for those of us who are to read it later and the churches that would read it, it's as if Paul was saying, finish what you've been called to do and don't let anything in this world distract you from being a messenger of the gospel. Anything. 
Did you hear Pastor Sam this morning? If you're anybody, uh, well, I'm not going to embarrass anybody. Okay. If, if you're not coming to the first service, you got to go to the first service. It was awesome. Pastor Sam was talking about it, right? Somebody gets involved in discipleship, plugging away, they go through cost of discipleship, they're getting involved, and, and, and guess what? Phone rings, right? And I see it all the time. The phone rings, and it's, it's, uh, it's boo. Just so things I thought people say that. Okay. What is it now? I don't know, guys. They, yeah. Just thought, I, I can't do that. That just feels weird to come out of my mouth. So, uh, your lady, whatever, um, she calls you, right? He calls you. That job offer is there that's going to pull you away from Sunday mornings. It's going to take you away from coming to prayer meetings. It's going to take you away from your small group. Right? He's lost. She's lost. Or maybe they're just on the fringe. Okay? Whatever it is. It call, the call comes in. And you've got a choice to make. Are you going to watch? Are you going to watch in all things to make sure nothing distracts you? Because that takes some advanced planning. Okay? We can't just go into this thing willy-nilly like, yeah, God's got me. And just roll with it, right? Like, like the one lie in the back of somebody's pickup truck, you know, like they used to in the old days. Just carefree, because you're not driving, you're not even a passenger in the front. You're just kind of there, like wherever it takes you, just go with it. We got to get in the car. We got to put our seatbelt on. We got to be communicating with the driver about where we need to go, where he wants to take us, and be ready for the next stop. You got to be ready at all times. Locked down all things. This was the final plea from a man of God who has devoted his entire life to ministry. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. You guys familiar with that passage? It's a great commission, right? I know it's like you're right last because we should be. I'm going to turn over there because in a group this size, I'm just guessing maybe somebody has not heard this. And that's not to embarrass you. This is so critical. That you're familiar with the Word of God. So let's read it together. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is Jesus' swan song. Okay? Look how it mirrors what Paul's saying. And no question, Jesus laid the foundation of this. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And Lord, I'm with you all in the world. And then Acts chapter 1, verse 8, again, right before Jesus ascends. He's 40 days on the earth, just doing all sorts of wild stuff after he is resurrected. Acts 1 8 says that you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is coming upon you. So we're getting some inside baseball here, right? Some stuff that Matthew didn't record. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Algeria and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. Jesus says to go. And Paul's saying, look, I'm coming to the end of my life. And I, I thought I'd get fight. I've kept the faith. And this is what I'm talking about. Watch thou in all things. Do not allow yourself to be distracted. Let no thing detract from the main purpose of your life. Don't let it happen. Don't let dude take it from you. 
Don't let your family take it from you. Don't let job take it from you. Don't let your education take it from you. Don't let how you were raised take it from you. Don't let living impure take it from you. Don't let not having a relationship with your pastor take it from you. Don't let your pride take it from you. Don't let your laziness take it from you. Nothing. And that requires some planning. Sometimes it takes planning in reverse. You know what I mean? There are times, I'll be honest, like, I've been around a little while now, but there are still times, dang it, still times, I just didn't see that coming. You know what? Next time. I've got a plan for that. I've got a plan. But the more we read the Word of God, the more we see through the lens of God, you're going to see those things. They will be on your radar. You're going to know what to watch for. Listen, Paul, am I supposed to be over here? Okay. Uh, Paul had trials and tribulations. He had probably some trial and error, right? But he synthesizes to Timothy, for you and I, what really matters. It's so important that in verses 1 and 2, he starts out with saying, I charge thee therefore before God. He's like, I'm bringing God into this conversation to make sure you know how important this is. Have you ever had to do that with a really hard conversation with somebody? Right? You're talking to somebody. You're trying to elicit a commitment. Or just, you need to impress how important something is that you're going to convey. And so, what do you do? You bring somebody, you need a witness. And so Paul does that. He brings God to the table, right with him, and says, Timothy, I'm telling you this before God himself. This is how important this is. Right? Today, we would seek to appeal to the masses. Right? I mean, didn't Pastor Sam talk about that? Ministries are being built that are just a mile wide and an inch deep. We don't want that. I know your pastor doesn't want that. I mean, praise God, you guys, this is awesome to be here. I mean, I, when Brandon asked me, I was like, yeah. They thought, like, more than that, actually. But, you know, and I come in here, and you guys here are... Don't, don't rest in, in the physical aspect of this, but you guys are about ready to blow this wall down, right? I mean, you're, you're that close. Yeah. God continues to bless. It's going to be necessary, right? But we don't want it to be just a mile wide. We don't, we, we don't want to fill up this room with just a bunch of people that, like, just talk about Jesus, you know, and love people and... Uh, but not according to the word. We don't want that. We, we want death. Today's church would appeal to the masses, would be relevant, would attempt to not offend, to reduce Jesus to what those who claim to know him would agree is the lowest common denominator, and that somehow is our gospel. That is not the gospel. So we accept the man's testimony as if he's saved so long as he works in the church. Thank you, brother, for your testimony. Andrew, this morning, leading a Bible study on his campus, 
and lost. You know, when we were out a couple months ago, right? Uh, he's not now, by the way. <laughs> you didn't hear the testimony. Andrew's been a believer for a long time. Praise the Lord. We were out though, a couple months ago. We were on the UMKC campus, and we ran into a gentleman, and and uh, he actually many years ago, I guess, had, had uh, been here, and so. Um, for whatever reason, it didn't work out. I have no idea the story, right? But we're talking to him, and the guy that was with me starts laying out the gospel, right? Whether or not this young man knows Jesus for who he is as Lord, the Son of God, the Redeemer of our sins, if we so believe it, who we confess our sins to, and our need for a Savior, and trust in that work alone for our salvation. Because he rose again the third day conquering death. And this, this guy and my friend's going through this and we're talking. And, and uh, he's like, oh, well, yeah, I, I, uh, I lead the youth group. Or I used to lead the youth group in a church out in one of the suburbs. And so our first, and I'm guessing yours would be too, my first thought would be, great, this is a brother. Okay? This is an evangelical church, so to speak. Right? Out of the suburbs, a lot of you guys may even recognize it. He's out there leading the youth group. Young high school kids in ministry. And my friend says, Great, I would be remiss if I didn't just make sure that we're talking about the same thing, brother. You, you do know for sure that if you died right now, that you'd be in eternity with God. And here's the response Well, I'm not sure really know. Sure. Now this guy's not ministry, praise the Lord anymore. But this is this is what many people, maybe many of you in here, I hope I pray God not, but maybe I pray so so that you can be hearing this message. Okay? If you are in the place where you believe that the gospel is somehow reduced to whether you work in the church or whether or not you do good works, or you just say the name of Jesus in your conversation, or you said a prayer, or you've even committed to be a follower of Jesus. You've been baptized. You believe in the gospel of church attendance. Maybe you even believe that Jesus is God's Son, any number of things that people use to self-deceive. But listen, none of those are the gospel. None of those are the gospel. Christian, as you grow in your faith, know that the enemy is right there to knock you out of the ship, of the ministry. As we venture together in this thing called ministry, as you're attempting to do right by God, the enemy's there. So to keep the peace, here's what you and I as believers, if you join with me in here, and, and you count yourself as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what you and I will be tempted to do. You and I, to keep the peace, will avoid the actual message of the gospel. You and I will avoid it. Okay? Churches and ministry claiming the name of Jesus, but with a half gospel, will often explode for a generation for the man who is willing to simply smile and affirm those prejudices that they may lay claim to. You follow what I'm saying? Okay? The, the good works of church, 
the social justice gospel, the civic gospel, the soccer mom gospel, the good provider gospel, the I play in the church band gospel, the I help in the youth group gospel, the I'm philanthropic gospel, the born in a Christian family gospel, the name it and claim it gospel, the gospel of stoicism, the Gnostic gospel, the Unitarian Gospel, the Undevoted to World Peace Gospel, the Cultural Advancement Gospel, the Curing XYZ Disease Gospel, and listen, all that's great, okay? All of that is great, and Jesus even participated in a lot of that. When it came down to it, I don't know all of it, but when it came down to it, that wasn't the gospel, right? Why? Because those things do not require spiritual transformation. A person in the flesh can do all of those things. And you guys have probably seen it. Maybe even some of you have done it. But only a person who believes in their heart on the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God, having confessed Jesus with their mouth for who they believe He is as Lord and Savior of their life, of their life in relation to their own sin, can be spiritually transformed. Have you guys heard that gospel before? That's it. That's it. We have to be. We have to confront ourselves, and those who we would give the gospel to have to be confronted with it. It requires a confrontation of sin a discussion about who Jesus is as Lord and an admission for a need for absolute change in one's life. This can be difficult. It's not even offensive to communicate. That's why it's so hard to say the word Jesus to someone, right? You're in that conversation, you want to talk, and just, uh, if your flesh doesn't like it. Your flesh doesn't want that confrontation to take place. But as the churches in Europe, and now more so, I mean every, every day, more so in the United States are evidence of, failure to keep the true gospel at the forefront, and therefore the center of our lives as we, as we live our daily lives, will swiftly result in dying churches who fail to reach the world for which God has given them to save. Did you hear what I just said? Anybody, did anybody hear me? If we fail to keep the gospel at the forefront of our life and our ministry, the next generation will be spiritually dead. Just look at Europe. Look at Europe. Look at um, New England. Right, we're going on a mission trip, shameless plug, over there in April and then again in uh, in the fall. New England was the source of the Great Awakening throughout the Americas, right? And preachers would come in and churches were started. Today, thousands of those churches have just shut doors, closed, gone. Back in the mid-1900s, this English preacher visited one of his American counterparts. And upon arriving, the American who met him was asking and bewildered. He said, you know, I visited Bedford, where John Bunyan, the author of Pilgrim's Progress, preached. And on a Sunday morning, there were two people present in the sanctuary. I went to your church 
to the, a prominent preacher, and, and there were 20 in attendance on a Sunday. I then went to Charles Spurgeon's church and saw the largest church I could find, 120 people. Now, if you know anything about the history of Spurgeon, this is vastly different than the thousands that attend the services on Sundays. And so we just asked him, what happened to the church in England? And without hesitation, the preacher responded, they have lost the spirit of evangelism. They've lost the spirit of evangelism. And while we can look across the ocean to a former time and even our own great awakening here, what churches close, you see the power is the gospel. It's not in our methodology. It's not in uh, anything. It's in the words of God revealing Jesus. And if you take that power out of the church, you take the power out of the believer's mouth. You follow? I mean, this is, it's exciting to be here. I'm not just blowing smoke. Okay, it is awesome to be here because of the energy and excitement. And your pastors communicated, I know several of you. I know that you're on, you're on fire. It is awesome. But you have got to watch, my friends, brothers and sisters, if you do not watch, it may not even be the next generation. It could be you in your 30s having settled for the 401k, nothing wrong with the 401k, but must not, I mean, God might have this different plan, not have to be like that person, and just out there. But instead, having settled, maybe it's you in your 40s. Maybe it's you having just, man, I had a good run, I was on fire for the Lord, and I just took a turn and, uh, and I committed to that instead. And I still love God. I'm still, still a good church. I give. If it comes up, I talk to people about Jesus, but I've got bills to pay. I've got to pay back those student loans. Credit cards. It just sneaks up on you. And so we've got to watch. I am encouraging you as I'm begging you to watch in all things. We've got to keep our eyes out. We've got to look. Right? Colossians 4 2 repeats this. Right? Talks about watching. First Peter 5 8 says to be vigilant. Another word for watch. Second Corinthians 4 18 gives you the picture of how to look at life through the lens of Jesus. And that's what we've got to do. Every decision you make, friends, don't take your eye off the ball. Watch in all things. Okay? Now, I'm not telling you to be paralyzed through analysis. Right? Have you ever heard of that? Ever catch your business term, paralysis analysis? Right? Um, don't do that. You gotta trust God and make decisions, okay? But all things means you need to ask God what your major should be. <laughs> all things means you need to maybe check your schedule for school this semester, next semester, and see what God would have you do. And maybe you need to free some time up 
or maybe you need to take more classes, or, or, or who your friends could be. You need to be asking God what Bible study you should be a part of and how you can support that. All things, right? How to interact with your family and, and opportunities to preach the Word of God. Because if we don't watch young men, young women from a position of experience, I tell you, if we do not guard the ministry for which we are given with time and age and hardship and inattentiveness and laziness and compromise, the fire for which God put in our hearts will be snuffed out over time. Jeremiah 2.11 says that my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. This is glorious, not because of you, but because of what Jesus is doing in many of your lives right now. Do not trade that for anything. Paul tells us to endure affliction. I'll finish on time, trust me. Endure affliction, right? To be to be weak, to let God be our strength. Listen, don't let the afflictions of your life distract you, take you away, detract you from the mission. Know this, that it is our very weakness, it is our very afflictions that God would intend to use to accomplish His mission. Did you hear what I just said? Especially in our society. When everything is just so convenient, it is easy when things get tough. Oh, I'm hungry. Uh, I don't have any money, though. Oh, I got a credit card. Fast food, fast food, whatever. You know. Oh, my car is broken. Well, I got good credit. I'm not saying anything's wrong with them intrinsically, okay? But we need to watch. And we, and we need to be enduring afflictions if God calls us to that, right? Acts chapter 16. I don't have time to go over there. Mark this for your notes. Paul had just entered Europe. Okay? He goes in. He's, he's accustomed to all the chapters before. Everywhere he goes, he just goes and finds a synagogue that's very well established. People have heard the Word of God all their life. And he goes in and he preaches the Word of God that way. And church is infant church. Okay? Paul goes into Europe and uh, pretty soon he gets called to the mission board because all he finds is a couple ladies down by the river, not associated with any synagogue. They're just praying. They're just kind of out on their own. They're abandoned. Wins up to the Lord. And then a riot breaks out. And he finds himself in the stocks. You know what stocks are? Anyway, got a couple people. The stocks, if you don't know, they're like um, those old medieval boards, right? It's like a, a, a board, and some stocks you like put your hands in, and sometimes you put your head in it like that. And you guys know what I'm talking about now, right? Well, the Bible says his feet were in the stocks. And so a type of stock was seated on a stool, and his feet were just up, right? Completely immobile. All right, so this is some... This is a Bible study for you. Does anyone know the significance of feet in the Bible? It's the gospel, right? It's in the Old Testament, that's what God would tell his people to do, to go claim ground 
take possession of the kingdom on behalf of God. Well, here was Paul, you know, from a, from a sense of like ministry success, had just whiffed on the banks of uh, Europe. And here he is, like he can't even, it's like the devil just like, <clears throat> just belly over laughing, like, you got nothing, dude. So there he is, just in the stocks. The picture is that he is completely weak. There is nothing he can do. Even the mission for which God called him to is on hold. And so he prays. You guys remember what happened? The earthquake came, right? And the jailer came running in and he said, take his own life. You see, God used that affliction. And what did Paul do? He preached to that jailer and his whole house was saved. You see, God will use the afflictions in your life for good. And if you don't allow it to happen, if you're constantly running to mommy, help me. Help me, government. Help me, friends. Help me, family. And we don't turn to the Lord instead. That is dangerous. You're going to miss out. You're going to miss out on what God has for you. Next thing Paul says is to do the work of the evangelist. And I'm just going to preview something, okay? In the coming months, your pastor is going to uh, employ some training mechanisms. I know that he's going to be working through with the creation of Christ series. There's going to be opportunity after opportunity. And so what we're going to be doing, and the details are being worked out, we're going to be partnering up with that, right? And um, so in the coming months, I want you guys to be watching. Because as you do the work, I've got three things to study very quickly in order to gather. Okay. Number one, and this is the who, what, when, why, and how and where of being an evangelist. Okay, but very quickly. Get equipped. Know what the Bible says about the gospel. Get equipped. Specifically, you ought to know some key things. All right, so coming very soon on a Saturday near you, we will be taking the day to have an all-hands-on-deck approach to training in this area, right? And so we've got some lessons that if you want to come talking about later, we can, we can do that. But we're going to talk about the basis, right? The creation basis, the why, the perfect beginning, the fall of mankind. If you cannot answer the why, right, then is someone genuinely saved? If someone doesn't know the need, are they genuinely saved? We're going to talk about the good news, right? The presentation. Not, uh, not necessarily like the how, like how to do it well and all this stuff, but what the Bible says, right? So the, we're going to talk about what the Bible says about the basis for it. The good news of it. What the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 6, Romans 10, 1 Corinthians 15. Right, and, and a lot, lot, lot more. But you need to have, what, what did I open up this whole message with? The Word of God. You've got to have the Word of God's authoritative statements on this topic. Only then will you be an effective evangelist, or to do the work of an evangelist. The life of an effective soul winner, while you're getting equipped, and the one of the things that I will be talking about, is consecrated. Okay? We cannot be like Lot in Genesis chapter 19, telling his son-in-laws to flee the city, and they just look at him like, are you, are you mocking us? You're making fun of us. He, he's, he's mocking us. Right? 
Genesis chapter 19, verse 14 talks about that. We're going to talk about timing and what it looks like. Timing the gospel presentation and when it's appropriate and when it's not. We're going to look at biblical methods of Paul and Jesus and others presenting the gospel. We're going to look at expectations on what's next. So you need to get equipped. You also need to get out there. Meaning we have got to start proclaiming the gospel. Let me ask you, what do you call someone who speaks to do this in our Bible studies and amongst ourselves and we just talk about how much we need to preach the gospel, but we never do it. What do we call someone that doesn't practice what they preach? Yes. So we've got to do it. We can have a plan, we can even prepare, but we have to go. And so once a month at least, I'm just throwing this invitation out there. You have an opportunity to come join me, join a team, join others, and we're going to get on your campuses, we're going to go out in the city, in the neighborhoods, and we're just going to trust God prayerfully for open doors. Nobody's going to be wearing a sandwich sign, sandwich board around them. Unless I don't like you, maybe. Um, so, but not really. Um, but we're going to go trust God for open doors, and we're going to train and learn how to be equipped so that throughout your life and day to day you're going to be able to do this, whether it's there or at work or at home or wherever you're at. And so we need help with those teams, and I'm, I'm asking for some of you to come forward and partner with me in that. Okay? I need help. I need what God is doing in your life to join with me. Are you listening? Okay? I got permission to ask Brandon if I could do that. I'm, I'm begging for help in that area. Finally, you need to get plugged in. Right here in your very class, in your very ministry, there are a number of small groups and Bible studies if you look back at that past, those passages in Matthew 28 and Acts chapter 1, both of them use the same subject pronoun. You know what it is? It's ye. Mark Carter would say, that's y'all, y'all. Right? We've got to be together. The ministry of evangelism is a team effort. That's why these small groups are so important. That's why we do our church planting teams. You approach your neighbor and your family, your work. And so as Paul closes, we see this incredible insight here. How valuable these works were in finishing his work faithfully as a team. And just like, in, like Jesus in Acts, we can't stand around and look up. Acts chapter 1, let's close with this. And bring out if you want to come forward, if we just dismiss, or however you want to do it. But Acts chapter 1. Jesus commissions everybody to go out. And when he had spoken these things in verse 9, what did he know? He was taken up and a cloud received him out of his sight. Listen, some of you guys are right there right now. You have victory in your life. You are being transformed. You are seeing other people transformed. Look what they're doing. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, Two men stood by them in light apparel, which also said, Men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up in heaven? Yes, God's doing a lot of victory. We cannot be caught standing around. We've got to get the gospel out. Amen? Amen. All right, so I'm going to turn it over to your pastor. I love you guys. Thank you for uh, hosting me.